Well, let me once more inform you that last week we had a, it was a long week, it was a tiring week, but it was a great week at the same time in Bible school. We did have three salvations, and you'll be seeing those baptisms over the next few weeks, and so it just, and then we may, we've still got to contact some more, so we may have more than that, but what a great week that is. Anytime you can have a salvation, it makes it all worth it. Amen? All those workers didn't say a word that time, so it's just, <laughs> do what? Too tired, that's, that's it. Let me, uh, one more announcement, let me make this, uh, just remind you, some of you may not know that every Sunday morning, beginning about 8.30, I believe it is, we have a breakfast back there, and just come back there, I'm, I'm not sure what all she's got, but uh, Tra- uh, uh, Tra- Tracy has taken over, one of our newer members, and just come eat and socialize and just with, with your church family, and just uh, enjoy that, that's every Sunday morning, and so, I'm sorry, waffles next week, okay, yes ma'am. Okay, so there's some stuff you can take home. That's takeout right there. I mean, what church can you come to with takeout service? You know, I just had this thought. What we ought to do is fix us a window drive-by sermons. How about that? That'd work. But anyway, we better get going. That's, we need to change subjects real quick. But it is a joy for that, and just keep that in mind. And for all the ones that did work, it was a lot of work put into it, but yet we saw a lot of results also. So keep that in your minds. If you will, this morning, turn with you to Matthew chapter 13. I want to speak today about a man and his word. Now, I've shared with you before that I didn't grow up in a Christian home. But at the same time, my dad had what I consider Christian morals, even though it may not have been that to him. But he was a moral person. And it just uh, he taught us well, or we learned pretty fast maybe. There was ways he had of teaching us pretty quickly. But anyway, it... Uh, it was just a, a, a good family. We didn't have a whole lot. We were just a common class, probably lower than most class families, but, but we did have love in the house. And so keep uh, that in mind is what I'm basing this off tonight of. But, but it's uh, Matthew chapter 12, 13, beginning in verse 18 through 24. Let's stand and read those words together. This is Jesus' words, and he's speaking to us, and I believe it's talking to us about dads today also. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and cares for this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But look at verse 23. But he who received on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. <clears throat> Dear God, once again, we thank you for this privilege of being here. We know we've got many people on vacations and traveling and different things that are associated with our just being a Father's Day. And Lord, we just ask that you would bring them back to us safely. But Lord, I believe you still got a word for each one of us here this morning. And I just pray that you would just open our hearts and listen to your word. 
and just watch over us. Guide us and let us understand what's being said in this passage. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I don't believe there's ever been a time in my lifetime at least when I saw seen so much need for the church of the living God to stand, to sound a clear, a definite, and a positive message for a world that is literally in darkness or getting that way every day. This world we live in today is more chaotic than I've ever seen in my 25 years. And it just it's getting worse. It seems like every day. Just the event that happened last Thursday night, I believe Wednesday or Thursday night, where we had the shooting of some of our elected officials intended to kill each one of them, all because they didn't agree with the other side. I mean, that's the world we live in nowadays. You can put a sticker on the back of your car and your life will be attacked because of which, re, uh, not religious, <laughs> religious, uh, a political party you uh, uh, adhere to. And it can be just as simple as a sticker on your car can get you literally attacked nowadays. That's how serious it is. Much of what the world is composed of religious, much of, most, much of that world is composed of religious people who are confused by those who have been reluctant to speak out and even perplexed by those who compromise makes them less than credible in our world today. We need a clear-sounding voice giving direction for this millennium. And let me just say, I believe, guys, it's our responsibility primarily. Not all the way, but it's our responsibility. As Christian dads, as Christian fathers, as Christian husbands, we are called by God to be the head of the house. That doesn't mean everybody under us is subservient. It just simply means we're to be the leader in the house to the best of our abilities. And I don't believe you can do that without having God in your home. Just the other night, Sari and Brandon got married, and I specifically wanted to put something in the A marriage should be three people. You say, what are you talking about? A marriage should always be the husband, the wife, and God. If you don't have that in your home, you're on shaky grounds. As Christians, we need to have God at the center of our lives, at the center of our homes. And as men, we need to be the men we need to be. And God is very plain in what our duties are and how we're to do that. I brought out of the night in the message, in the the, uh, uh, the what? The wedding. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, hey, it's been a long week. I'm still tired, too. So my brain's not working completely. But it how that as we come together, we each one have roles to play. Now, that doesn't mean the wife's subservient like some people say. That doesn't mean that at all. We should be partners God made a helpmate for us. And that helpmate is to be the mate that helps us do what needs to be done. We each have roles and so forth. But it's coming to the world now, and now it's come, gotten so crazy that the Christian message, message is not for the timid, the cowardly, those who are afraid to take a stand and be counted, or for those who are looking for an easy way out. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about. There's four different people he names here, different kinds of people. And he says, there's certain things that you need to do. And you can see classes of people as we go through this. And a lot of times you'll see a lot of church people that we today could put in these categories. It's a time to draw a line in the sand and take a stand for what we believe to be the truth in our world. 
we need to stand up and lift up God's morals, God's word, and we need to be a man of our word in everything we do. When Jesus made his ministry debut, he spoke in parables because his message was easy to understand in parable form. But yet, each of these parables, if you look at them, there is a parable in it, which he talks about, but there's also miracles in those parables. Every one of them have it. You say, well, I can't find it. Well, dig a little deeper. You'll see it. It'll come to you in a little bit. But the parable in Matthew chapter 13 that we just looked at is the one that I want to address. It's not long, so we should be out here by 2 o'clock. But it's, no, no, really. This is going to be a short one today because I know that, you know, now, I know that on special days like this, we, we try to beat the Methodists to, to the restaurants. But i got news for you. They get out earlier than we do. So just you, know, you might as well just sit back in racks. But anyway, in this parable, he described a sower who went forth to plant seed. And he says, some of the seed fell by the wayside. Some fell on stony ground. Some fell on thorns and thistles. And some fell on good ground. Did you catch that? That's four parts. So that means 25% is all that got on the good ground. Does that sound like our world today? When we reach out the world, 25% is all that understands what God's trying to tell us. Even inside the churches sometimes. Many times we come to church. we got so many other things on our mind that we need to do this afternoon or tomorrow, next week, or whatever it may be. Maybe we're planning on vacation. Our thoughts are about all that stuff. Maybe that's the day that God had that word to fall on your ears, but your mind is somewhere else. It may have even been on something godly like Bible school or the the thankfulness it's over, whichever one that works out to be. But there's many things that consume our mind. And sometimes God has a word for us, but we're too busy to listen to it. We're thinking about other things. The seed that fell on the wayside was carried away by the birds. The seed that fell on the stony ground took up root quickly, but it wilted and died when the sun began to be strong. The seed that fell among the thorns was choked out, and that which fell upon the good ground bore fruit. The Bible says some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100-fold. Now, folks, that's our aim right there is to get that part of it. I remember when I was growing up, as I said, now I, I didn't grow up in a Christian home as a young man, but, I, but growing up many times I heard my dad say this phrase. I think he had it memorized so many times he just automatically said it. When you make a promise, you must keep your word. A man is no better than his word. And I also remember hearing my, I guess my dad, maybe uncles and granddads or whatever it was, but I remember them talking about, and I've never experienced this, but when they were young, you could walk into a bank, not even sign a piece of paper, just say, I need to borrow $500 or whatever it was, and turn around and walk out. Now, try doing that today. Just see if it works. But in those days, because people kept their word, they would literally, now, I, again, I've never seen this happen. I'm just told this, so it, I'm, I can't say it does or not. But it, they would walk into a bank and just say, I need to borrow $500. And he would hand it over to them because they were honorable people, and the bank knew they'd keep their word. My, have times have changed, haven't they? Can you, now, how many of you, did anybody grow up in that age when you could do that? I didn't say you. You did? Well, all right. Anyone else? I mean, just, I've never seen it done. 
You remember it. Okay, there's, there's a lot of several of them in here. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> My goodness. If you didn't hear, when they grew up in the Cayman Islands when they first got married, you could literally take your wallet and lay on the ground full of money, and nobody would take it or return it to you, if that's the case probably. Look how times have changed. And, I mean, this is within the last century. Within the last hundred years, this way I understand it was very common that you could walk into a bank, need to borrow $500, and I'm sure that was a lot of money back in that day, and could literally turn around and walk out with it because you gave your word that you'd pay it off. Can you imagine that happening in our days? I remember hearing those stories, but again, I've never heard it actually happen. That's the first time I've heard somebody actually say something about it. It was important for a man to be a man of his word. Why have we changed that so much today? I mean, all we hear on the TV and radio is fake news, fake people, all those kind of things. I know that's two different things, but at the same time, it still comes down to the same thing. Why have we lost that integrity that we used to have? We've lost it over my life. I don't remember those things happening. They may have when I was a little kid, but I don't remember them. But it's, I believe that's what God is speaking to us about today. Again, a man and his word. I want to address the critical issues facing us as children of God, as, a lo- as local churches. Jesus had a word for his disciples that is clearly for us today as well. Sometimes we get the idea that this Bible is so, that's, been, that's 2,000 years old. It doesn't apply to us anymore. Oh, yes, it does. It hadn't changed one little tittle in 2,000 years. We may have changed it. We may have not liked the change that was made, and so we interpret it different. But it has not changed. We need to have an exposure to the will of, for the Word of God. We need to experience the Word of God. And need to, we, we need to see the expression of the Word of God. Let's look at the exposure of the Word of God first. First, the parable speaks of, of us, to us, of several different ways in which a person is exposed to the Word of God. Jesus described the stolen Word. The seed, he says, that fell on the stony ground was stolen by the birds. The word is stolen. It's still stolen in our society, if you think about it. Let there be no mistake. Let's not live in denial. We are in a war, and we have been provided with the armor we need to be successful and protect us in this war. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, The sword of the Spirit is the word of God. We have the weapon to face anything we come against. But so many times we don't use the weapon. We don't know the Bible the way we need to know it. The battle for the Word has been going on for at least half a century. Since liberal theology from Germany made its way to our country, one exponent, Harry Emerson Fosdick of New York City, said from the pulpit some years ago now, and here's his quote, Someday we will find the ancient tomb in which we will someday we will find the ancient tomb in which we will discover the bones of Jesus. 
from a pulpit that statement was made. Now think about that. Here's a man standing in the pulpit preaching God's Word but doesn't believe God's Word. Obviously, he doesn't believe the resurrection. And so that's in our world today. And it's become later and more of, more of that way. Later, this theology began to infiltrate our colleges, our seminaries, and they began to turn out preachers who believed humanism rather than inspired, infallible, inerrant Word of God. I don't know about you, but I believe every word in that Bible is the Word of God. Even on the back cover where it says genuine leather, I believe that one. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. God said this is His words. God put it into our hearts. <clears throat> I don't believe there is an error in the Bible. There may be errors in our understanding it, but that's for us to dig a little deeper and get it out. <clears throat> I heard a story just not too long ago about a preacher that uh, went to Johannesburg, South Africa, where he preached for 14 days. Now, this is a true story, supposedly. He returned elated because he saw 500 young people stand up and trust Jesus Christ as Savior at a public school. He said that after the meeting, the principal stood up and said this to the student body. For all of you who have trusted Christ today, if you do not have a Bible, come by my office and I will see that you're given one. Now contrast that to our schools in America today. A Christian nation is what we are or what we claim to be, where at one school recently a student was told to wear his cross necklace inside of his shirt because it was offensive to some people. And we're a Christian nation. I don't know that Africa claims to be a Christian nation. They may be. I don't, I don't know. But see the difference? See where we've fallen and they've, other countries have risen up? What's wrong with this picture? Free to preach the Word of God, word of God in Africa? but not in the United States where we claim to be founded on Christian principles. Oh, have we've changed. I don't want to be, get political. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not saying one thing about one side or the other. I'm saying where we've gone as a country and what we're doing as a country. <clears throat> as Christians, we must be aware that we're at war with an enemy who is attempting to steal the Word of God, just like Jesus said those birds did, from our schools from our media, and eventually from our pulpits if we don't take a stand against them now. In 2000, the Southern Baptist Convention was held in Florida, I believe Orlando, but don't hold me to that one, asserted from the pulpit. One of the messengers was preaching from the pulpit of the Southern Baptist Convention, and here's what he said. He claimed that the Bible is inspired and points to Christ, but is nonetheless just a book. That's our Southern Baptist folks. I'm not talking about the other denomination. I'm talking about us, the people that we claim to be. This is one of our, and by the way, that preacher was from Texas. I won't call his name. Don't you egg in his house, but it's, he was from Texas. He stood in the pulpit of the Southern Baptist Convention, the ones that grounded on the Word of God that we claim to be, and he made that statement. And by the way, as he did, he held up this Bible and said, this is only a book. It points people to Jesus. It helps people find Jesus, but it's just a book. You see why we have problems in our nation? Because we have problems in our pulpits. We do not preach the Word of God the way it needs to be preached anymore. 
These people believe that the Word of God is a book with biases and traditions of the days in which it was written, a book to guide us, but nonetheless just a book. We must be vigilant and outspoken about what we believe, lest we be drawn into compromise with these who would steal the Word. Jesus said the birds came and stole the Word. Folks, in our day right now, people are stealing the Word of God away from churches, mocking it, laughing at it, burning it. And we as Christians as a whole sit back and watch it happen and not do anything about it. Jesus not only spoke about the stolen Word, but He also spoke about the shallow Word. That was illustrated by the seed that fell on the stony ground, the seed that took root quickly and began to grow, but then it began, because of the heat of the sun, it began to wilt. So what does that tell us? This seed represents those who receive the Word but quit when persecution comes. Let me share this with you. If you're a Christian today, sitting in this room right now, if you haven't been yet, you're going to be persecuted. Now, maybe not like ISIS we see around the world. Not, maybe not that kind. It could happen. But somebody's going to laugh in your face. I remember one time, this was when I was just a young Christian. In fact, we had, back in the days of the bus ministry. Y'all remember those days? Y'all, y'all have a ride around here? And all churches, the more bus you had, the bigger church you were, it seemed like. But that wasn't always the case. But one Saturday morning, we were out visiting. It just so happened, Judy's brother and I grew up. This is before we got married. Judy's brother and I grew up together. And uh, we were on this team to go out, and we went to this one house in west side of Fort Worth. Knocked on the door. Well, first, I didn't knock on the door. We was going ahead of the door, and we noticed the guy was underneath the car working on his, his car. Had it jacked up and everything. And so we just walked up to him, and, you know, he, I guess, saw us standing there, <laughs> four feet standing there, wondering what's going on. He slid out behind on one of those little things where it rolls on the concrete. I don't, yeah, a creep. Creeper. What would you say, creeper? Creeper. Okay. I'm not a mechanic. <laughs> anyway, he rolled out from under. This was a big guy. I mean, he was a burly guy. He was a look rough guy. And I'll never forget the words he said, and this is as God is my witness. He rolled out. We told him who we were, wanted to invite him to church and so forth. He come out from there. He had a big old wrench in his hand that big. And he sort of shook in our face. He said, let me tell you something. If I could, I would crucify Jesus myself. I mean... We both stood there. I mean, we didn't know what to say. Number one, he had that big wrench in his hand. I wasn't going to say too much. But it just, I couldn't believe those words of his mouth. How could somebody hate Jesus Christ that much? But he shook that wrench. We were two or three feet in front of him. He just shook it like that. He said, if I could do it, I'd put Jesus, I'd nail him to the cross myself. I've never seen anybody so hatefully minded until you start showing you're a Christian. And all of a sudden, it'll come out. Let's move along real quick. <clears throat> this shallow preaching that we see today, is, we have shallow people around today, but many of them are preaching our pulpits. The shallow preaching has spawned generation of listeners who hear but don't practice the beliefs. They come to church to be entertained. Now, I have nothing against having a good, joyful music service, and, and we need more. I mean, we need a, more guitars and more fiddles and all the other things. But, folks, it's not about singing. It's about listening to Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean we need to stop having music. But, oh, how we need to change the way our church is done. They come to church to be entertained more day, more times today. Look at churches and see what they're doing. Well, we're having this big event. Come on. you can. We're having all of the free things. Come and join us. Stay for service. 
and they want to be entertained. The shallowness becomes evident when the line time comes to take a courageous position on moral issues. Those who don't have a deep taproot growing down to reach into the Word of God have no biblical principles on which to face the issues such as abortion because they're not grounded in it. They're unable to take a stand because they're tolerant of the world's ideals and intolerant of God's Word. I'm speaking of Christian people now that have claimed to be saved, claimed to be baptized, claimed to be a Christian. But when trouble comes, they pitch in the towel. So I didn't sign on for that. Ministers who are guilty of shallow preaching are responsible for how they deliver the Word of God. Preaching is not public speaking or entertainment. In fact, we have a definition of preaching in Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. Let me just read that to you. Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. And they read from the book, from the law of God, translating to give the sense so they so that they understood the reading. Preaching is basically telling you what God's Word says and putting in your hearts. And so many times we have preachers that have got away from what the God, Word of God really is and began to preach stuff that has nothing to do with it. I remember hearing one night, and this, was, this is a true story. This was television many years ago now. But this advertisement or what it was from a church, and they this guy said, Come tomorrow morning. We're going to, the name of the sermon is Growing Peach Trees. And I thought, well, I want to listen. How's he tie that into? I got up the next morning. This was in Fort Worth, in Channel 8, I believe it was. And I listened because I thought, man, that's going to be some good examples. I want to use some of this. Growing Peach Trees. You know what he talked about? Growing Peach Trees. That was the sermon. It had nothing to do with God. This was a television, televised church. It had absolutely nothing to do with church, or Christianity at least. It was literally a sermon on how to grow peach trees. And that was in Fort Worth, Texas. The church was in Fort Worth, Texas. Hopefully it's gone now. I hope it went out of business. Anyway, preaching is reading from the Word of God, making it clear. The Internet, the headlines from the newspaper, that's not where our information ought to come from. It ought to come from the Word of God, folks. Now, we like to cut up around here a lot, and we do cut up. But I don't see anything wrong with that. But, folks, when we begin preaching God's Word, it ought to be serious. I heard about an old preacher who was take, talking to a young man who had surrendered to preach, and he told him, said, Son, don't worry about telling your people about Shakespeare. Don't try to be upon all the latest things in science. Take refuge in the Word of God because most of them don't know much about it anyway. Doesn't that sound like our typical churches today? It's time we stop trying to meet the needs of every culture there is and become like it. Instead, we need to bring the people back to the standards of Jesus' words. We need to put that as our standard. There are also those who have stifled the Word of God, represented by the seed that fell among the thorns and was strangled by the weeds. If we carefully read that Scripture here, you find that Jesus is saying that this illustrates people who became entangled in the world and deceptiveness of riches. Yes, they became Christians. Yes, they came down for baptism. But yet before long, they began to do the things of the world over and over again. And their religious life, their Christian life began to fade by the wayside. 
We all know people like that today. You see, have you ever thought about when Jesus covers a subject, he covers every bit of it. He, like, he does the things we like, but he also does the things we don't want to hear because sometimes it steps on our toes. I remember Lady and I, our first full-time church in Paris, Texas, and she used to come out every day, and she would say, well, you stepped on my toes today. First time she did it, I thought, man, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mean to. What did I do? She said, oh, no, if you don't step on my toes, you're not doing the right thing. And that's a lot of truth when you think about it. At first, I was, I mean, I was really trying to, what, what, don't say anything offensive to her. But she said, no, that's what I need to hear. Let's go ahead. Let me say that this is a warning against one of the great sins of the church today that we're talking about. Preoccupation with lesser things. Sometimes, as churches, we can get so involved in other things, we leave out the main thing. Why are we here as a church? We're here to tell people about Jesus. Not only in this building. This is a nice, comfortable one. We love each other in here. It's, it's cozy. We like this. But that's not our job. Our job is to reach people that have never yet stuck, touched foot in this church because they need to see Christ living in us. That's our job as a church. People, I believe, are hungry for the Word of God. They may not know that's what they're hungry for, but they are. And when it's preached today, it will still convict sin. It will still make a response in people's lives. People today are hungry for the Word of God, and they're looking for Christians that will stand up and be what they're supposed to be. But you know what happens too many times? They look at preachers and Christians, and they don't see Jesus in their life. And they say, well, what do I need that for? Why do I need that? I don't see anything different the way they live, the way we're living. And they don't have any need for it. Far too many times we don't have anything to show them because in many church members' lives and pastors' lives, there's no power, there's no victory, there's no joy. Why did God give us the Word of God in the first place? So we can learn to be fruitful. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Bible is more than a book, folks. It's the Word of God. Every word from cover to cover is the Word of God. It's the only book that gives birth to those who are dead in their trespasses, and sins. It's the only book that gives us from takes us from darkness to light. Go read all the encyclopedias and you'll never understand salvation. But read the Word of God and you'll find it right in the middle of it. We read in John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then in verse 14 of John chapter 1, we read, The, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who's the flesh? Jesus Christ. Are you saved today? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, not, and, and that of, not of yourselves. It is the gift of, word, a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Then how do we have faith? Well, we're told that too. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I know there's people in the church today that when you go to work or drive down the highway, you get the Bible on tape. 
There's nothing wrong with that. Use our own CDs, I guess, now. I dated myself there. <laughs> we don't have tapes anymore. But on CDs, and we put them in, we listen to God's Word. You're listening as you go to That's what we're talking about. Make God's Word a part of your everyday life. It is this book that you know Jesus Christ. The man and his word are the same. I want you to know that I worship the book that introduced me to Jesus Christ. Oh, we're supposed to worship Jesus, not the book. The book is Jesus Christ. There's no difference in them. People say, well, Paul got saved, but he didn't have a Bible in his hand. But go back and read the story of Paul's conversion, and you'll find that the incarnate Word spoke to him from heaven one day and called him by name and introduced him to the Word face to face. Jesus was the Word. Jesus is the Word. Jesus will be the Word long after we're gone from this earth. Until he decides to come back, Jesus is the Word. Paul didn't get saved by the Word. You say, well, I could get, I could get saved without the Bible. Yeah, you could without having it present. But you're not going to without hearing the message. You've got to hear God's Word. The second thing we see, James chapter 1, verse 18 says this, Experience the Word of God. Of His own will be brought us forth by the Word of truth, that we might be kind, a kind of first fruits of His creatures. There are three dimensions of the Word. There is the Word which speaks to the incarnate Word, Jesus. There is the written words which we use when we speak of a book, the written record of God. And there is the Word of God which Paul wrote of the sword of the Spirit as the Word of God, the spoken Word of God. We have such a shallow mentality today when about the Word of God in our churches sometimes. I can't tell you how many times people come up and say, well, what's that verse that says uh, do good. God will watch over us no matter what we do, and He'll take care of us. But I don't remember where it's at. It's in there somewhere. No, it's not. In fact, let me... Well, Scripture says that God helps those that help themselves. Is that in the Bible? That may be true, that God does help those themselves. But you know who said it? Benjamin Franklin. It wasn't by God, by Jesus. Now, that's a, that's a good thought there, and there's nothing wrong with that. But he's not the one that said that. But yet, sometimes when we hear something that sounds sweet and fuzzy, oh, that's got to be Jesus saying that. But we don't even know where it's at. We need to experience the Word of God. In First Peter chapter 1, verse 23, we read these words. For you have been born again, not of the seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring Word of God. I was impressed last week at our Bible school. Now, we didn't have a large number. We averaged, I think, 40-something every, every night, uh, not counting the adults, which there's 300 of them. But, no, I would But we had a, you know, had a good crowd, but we, you know, a whole, not a whole lot. We'd love to have a lot more. But you know one thing those kids no doubt left with? I got to go in several of the Sunday school classes. They heard the Word of God in the Sunday school class, in the classes, not Sunday school. They heard the Word when they come out here. When they began to sing those crazy little songs they sang, they heard the Word of God. Every part of Bible school had the Word of God in it. So what they wanted, they may have thought they were just singing a fun song and having a good time, but no, they weren't. They were reading the Word of God. And those little songs 
is just like reading God's Word. And they may, who knows, one of these days, they may be called to that little song in Bible school years ago. They may remember that and say, I need to turn to Jesus, admit that I'm a sinner, and accept Him. That's why we invest so much in the Bible school. Let's go ahead. There must be a conversion experience as we close out. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, Paul says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All Scripture. Every Scripture in there is given by inspiration of God. He says Scripture. He says all Scripture. He was at the time, he's talking about the Old Testament. He was at that time writing the New Testament. Although he didn't know he was writing at the time, he was. The Holy Spirit of God was moving upon him in a marvelous way, inspiring the Word of God in word and in thought. Listen to these words. But it is written, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God, for that what for what man knows the little the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him. Even so no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Those things which we also speak, not in word which man's wisdom teaches, which by, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Do you hear what God just says? The Holy Spirit will teach you about His words if you'll let Him. You know what most of us do? Okay, I'm going to start reading my Bible. We'll get up and flip it open to Genesis. We'll read a chapter. Man, I didn't get anything out of that. I don't understand what He's talking about. You know why? God's Spirit has to direct our thoughts, our mind. Read God's Word after you've thought and meditated and prayed and what's the difference it makes. I promise you, if you're reading it for the right reason, it will be there. Let me remind you of something you may already know. Comparing spiritual thoughts with spiritual words is the way the original language reads. Some say, well, I believe in the Bible is inspired in thought but not in word. I challenge you today, any of you, to have a thought without words popping in your mind to express it. You can't do it. It isn't for even intelligent to say, I believe the Bible is inspired in thought but not in word. That's almost heresy. You can't have a thought and give it an expression without words. Your mind automatically. If I said, what's that green thing sitting there? Your mind automatically goes to chair because that's what it is. But you can't have the vision of it without the thought popping in. That's what it is. It's the same way with God's Word. What's He saying to me? Let God's Spirit tell you. Watch it. Make a difference. This means that when the Holy Spirit breathed on Paul, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the rest of them that wrote the Bible and poured his thoughts, he may have accommodated the words of a man putting into thought. So many people have problems. Well, these were just men that wrote this book then if, if it's all inspired by God. No, it was God's thoughts that inspired him to write the words he wrote. 
That's the words of God. God inspired them. Just like God inspires us sometimes to do different things. God spoke to those men that had sought God and sought after him. And he put those thoughts in. And when you think of something, you're going to have words to go with it. And they were the words of God put in human form. Well, I just don't believe that. Sorry. That's what God says happened. Let's close this out real quick. It's just a book. I tell you, it's a book. It is a book, no doubt about it. It's a book that time has has not been able to erase. It's a book that persecution has not been able to extinguish. It's a book that critics have not been able to explain it away. It's a book that scientists have not been able to understand or even discredit. Yes, it is a book, but it's a book that you and I must preach and proclaim in a world to be saved. And lastly, the expression of the Word. When we've been exposed to the Word and experienced the Word, there naturally follows an expression to the Word. In fact, when we put our roots down deeply into the experience of listening to what God's saying to us, all of a sudden a beautiful example of a man who was unable to keep from expressing his faith of the world. Have you ever heard of a, he's been dead since 1972, but a man named Watchman Lee, anybody ever heard of him? He was a Chinese man. He became a Christian living in China under the communist reign. Let me tell you a story about him. Watchman Nee, N-E-E, a Chinese Christian who lived under communism. After his conversion, he began became a dynamic witness for the Lord. So powerful was his testimony that he was thrown into prison and guards were assigned to ha- watch him 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But each guard would be worn, won to Christ by Watchman Lee over a period of time. Every guard they sent in. So, Watchman Nee was put into prison. So the official said, we must change the guards more often, stop him. They changed the guards monthly, then weekly, then daily, and finally every four hours they would change the guards watching Watchman Nee. You know what he did? He won every one of them to Christ. You know what they did? They left that prison and went to the jungles of China and places and began to preach the gospel. You see, Watchman Nee was an unusual character. I mean, he, think about it. He was in prison, in a communist prison. It probably was not a nice place to be. But he had one mission, to tell people about Jesus. Watchman Nee was his name. That's a true story, by the way. They only gave Nee more prospects to win to Christ every time they changed the rotation. He died in prison in 1972, but he remained faithful witness of Jesus until the very last breath he took. Twenty years of persecution and imprisonment under communist regime failed to weaken his commitment to the Savior. He was exposed to the Word. He experienced the Word. He spent his life expressing the Word. May God help us to sound a clear, definite message, declaring the Word to our world. Once again, dads, I believe we're to teach our families the kind of witness we should be. Your example 
is sometimes the greatest example that your kids will ever know. Mom has a totally different role. Hers is just as important. But ours, by God's command, is to teach our families about Jesus Christ and watch it make a difference. Let's stand together. Dear God, we come to the end of the service today. We thank you for this opportunity that we're here. Again, we know we've got a lot of our folks traveling. We ask you to protect them and bring them back to us. We know the highways are crazy this time of year, but just protect them and let them return after a refreshing vacation. Lord, today we're just speaking right in this room to each other. And, Lord, you know the needs of every man and woman in this building today. Lord, sometimes we fail to do what we're supposed to do. Sometimes we don't do what we need to do as fathers. We have too many other things going on. But, Lord, let us realize this is the life of our children, grandchildren that we're working with. If we don't tell them, nobody else may. What a thought that puts into our minds. Thank you, Lord, for the fathers that are here today, the godly fathers, the ones that are traveling today. And, Lord, we just ask that you would even instill in us and them both to be more of the fathers you want us to be, to lead our families to the kind of family we need to have. Go with us as we have this invitation. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.